If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's radio fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Robin Myers, senior minister in one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers. The scripture reading this morning is from Jeremiah verse 18, 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, come go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he worked, reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to him. Then the word came to the Lord, came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, but if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if that does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do it. Now therefore say to the people of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn down all of you from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. It's been a while since I've uh, preached and after time away, I always feel some responsibility to let you know maybe like what I did on my summer vacation without boring you. But this morning, I really want to move quickly into this amazing text. So let me just say very briefly that our time spent away in Colorado and many Sundays spent worshiping here this summer were formative. Routines, I think, are meant to be interrupted and then returned to because things look different when you see them from a distance and then they come into sharper focus when you see them up close again. So two quick highlights. Sean and I are summer members of a tiny, struggling UCC church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, called Church of the Wildwood. They have at best 50 members and cannot afford a full-time minister. They were searching for a new part-time minister this summer and asked me could I fill the pulpit twice. So I preached once in late June and once again in early July, and only once did anyone get up and walk out during the sermon. 
It happens. It was when I said I did not think Jesus came to save our souls, but rather to restore them. And boom, two women got up and headed for the exits. And at that moment, I felt like Dorothy clicking her ruby slippers together and saying, there's no place like home. <laughs> but by far the most sublime thing that happened this summer at Church of the Wildwood was the marriage of Sean McGinnis to Stefan Lecoles, two men who were married in what was, in fact, the first same-sex wedding in the history of the Church of the Wildwood built in 1889. Sean McGinnis has been a friend to my Sean because they are both artists. He lives in Paris and he and Stefan brought a whole gaggle of Parisians across the pond to this tiny mountain town to celebrate, and we got to host the wedding feast in our cabin at a long table. And I can tell you, those Europeans, they know how to eat, when to eat, and why they are eating. The feast started around 9 p.m. There was wine and a toast, some more wine, another toast, some more wine, some more toasting, course after course after course, and of course, more wine. And that celebration lasted until the wee hours of the morning. And yes, two men sealed their covenant with a kiss inside the church where that has never happened before. And Sean and I got to be there to witness it. And this little church has struggled mightily with being open and affirming, and yet the ceiling did not crack, and the walls did not fall down. And I thought you all should hear some good news for a change. Despite the headlines everywhere, people keep trying to do the right things. And I came home from the mountains believing that it would probably be good for all of us this fall, good for our souls, if we would watch less TV, especially the evening news, avoid social media, and go to more wedding feasts. Just a thought. Of course, my kids and my grandkids also came and went because they, they love it in Colorado. And we sat on the deck with them and we watched the eagles fly by day and shooting stars by night. And so we are blessed beyond measure. But there is no community like this one. And don't you ever forget it. Or this either. Yahweh said to Jeremiah, come go down to the potter's house and I will let you hear my words. Well, my first thought was, why can't Jeremiah hear God's words without going down to some potter's house? I mean, why not just let Jeremiah stay home and listen carefully? Or if he were around today, go to the Red Cup, have a cup of Joe, read some Mary Oliver, and see if God is really still speaking. Perhaps he is ordered to go down to the potter's house because then as now, there is no substitute for watching artists as they work. I know something about this because I'm married to an artist. And although she is not a potter, Sean hammers on metal a lot and is an alchemist. And she never knows exactly how anything will turn out. But on this, we both agree. 
Art is the mediation of transcendence. It calls us beyond ourselves. It softens up the soul. It burns a hole right through our shallow selves and lights up some deep place we might not otherwise visit. Art, we must have it. It is not extracurricular. Sometimes, of course, the art project will fail and must be scrapped and the artist has to start all over again. I want you to hold that thought. And I want you to know this about potters in the ancient world. These guys were not making expensive objects, but mostly just common vessels for household use to hold grain or to hold wine because, well, Tupperware had not been invented. These pots were turned on ancient wheels and often they did not last long because they were made of poor materials or had flaws that made them crack. But in this case, we learn that the potter did not even finish what he was working on because the vessel was spoiled. And so he just scrapped it and started over. In your mind, can you see what he's doing? He smashes it all together and throws it back on the pile of clay because artists do not waste things. They save their raw materials for the next attempt. Then I guess he took a, the equivalent of a cigarette break and thought about what went wrong and then he went back and scooped up a new pile of clay and plopped it back on the wheel and started throwing a new pot, a new vessel, shaping it differently this time and hoping for better results, but he does not give up. The Hebrew word for potter here comes from the verb yatsar, which means to fashion and to form, which you may remember from the accounts of creation in Genesis when God kneels in the dust, grabs a piece of moistened clay, and fashions it into you and me. Now you may be thinking, yeah, well, how well did that project turn out? I mean, who could blame the potter god for saying, this human vessel is broken. These humans are cracked pots, or crack pots. <laughs> and it would be better to just smash them back into an unrecognizable lump and start all over again. But that's not what happens. Instead, God holds out the hope that we can start over if we will just stop trying to put lipstick on a pig. Jeremiah's a prophet. Prophets warn people about what's going to happen if they don't change their ways. And in this case, however, it is God who represents the divine potter and Israel is the clay. And if she doesn't change her ways, God is going to pluck up and break down and destroy her. Strong words. But then God holds out the possibility of a new vessel one that's not cracked. So I wondered, of course, if Jeremiah were visiting the potter's house today, would God still be calling Israel to rework itself into a new vessel? One that might, say, even hold the wine of a Palestinian state with olive trees replanted and illegal settlements given back. Here is God's warning. Yet if that nation that I spoke of should turn from its evil, then I might change my mind about the evil that I intended to do to it. Now, 
this might be a good time to remind you of something you already know if you've heard me preach for a long time. I, I don't believe God is going to do the smashing, the destroying. I think we are called to choose whether or not we will keep on trying to work on our cracked vessels and make them something whole, even if that means starting over. That's why I'm so drawn to and am writing about something I call a theology of consequence instead of a theology of obedience. I just don't think God's an old man who will either save us or destroy us, but if we can save ourselves, it will be because the God in us will make it possible for us to discern when a vessel is beyond saving and we need as a whole species to smash it and start over. If not, we've got no one to blame but ourselves. Take the cracked vessel that is public education in our time. If it cannot hold the wine of all our kids, then we should smash it and start over. But we should start with the same clay we once called common education, a, a, a deceivingly beautiful phrase, common education for everyone. And by the way, every child should get an equal slice of the educational pie, whether they live in Deer Creek or Godibo to give all our kids the best chance they can possibly get to succeed. And I don't know about you, but these days when I'm driving around in the neighborhoods and I see these beautiful old neighborhood schools that had finally been renovated with the money from maps for kids, but they're now closed. I wonder what Cliff Hudson must be thinking who conceived of maps for kids. Because starting over does not mean you throw the clay away, it means you rework it. Or consider America's addiction to all these false premises. You've heard me talk about these, more guns make us safer. Money trickles down. The marketplace can solve all the problems of life. And there's no real truth out there, just my truth and your fake news. These are badly cracked vessels and the wine we call common good is spilling out of them in ways that threaten both our democracy and what the framers of our Constitution called domestic tranquility. There's not a whole lot of that around. Maybe it's time to smash our assault weapons and reshape them into plowshares or use the metal to make zippers for backpacks. I don't know, pick your metaphor. But America now has a long list of things it should consider smashing because the status quo itself is a cracking and badly leaking vessel. This pot that is money in politics, it can no longer hold the wine of basic fairness. The gap between rich and poor is now so vast it will require us to smash the vessel that is our economic system and tax laws and start over and give the middle class a shot at prosperity for a change. The scandal that is unaffordable higher education, that's a cracked vessel. And what's running out of it for our graduates is the freedom and dignity that comes from both learning and then being debt free. Our national addiction to violence, whether at home, in sports, or in our gaming culture that glorifies the warrior. It's a vessel whose, 
whose collapse on the wheel of greed is going to bury us all. That vessel is spoiled. And believe it or not, we can live without football. We can live without the game of football. I'm sorry. Maybe you think I've lost it completely, but think about what it is doing to the brains and the bodies of young men. Man, what do you think Jeremiah would say about football? Players in the NFL are now walking off the field because their lives are more important than all the money we are paying them, and for that, they're getting booed. We should be cheering them. Toxic masculinity is a cracked pot that is leaking safety for women around the entire circumference of the vessel. It is leaking healthy role models for young boys and any chance that human sexuality might someday be restored to a glorious but self-possessed gift. Boys will be boys no longer excuses the spoiled vessel that is assault, rape, and domestic violence. The cracked pot that many of us grew up stewing in needs to be smashed, returned to the pile of relational raw materials, and then dropped back on the wheel for another go at it. Let's make ourselves some new vessels in which we love people and use things, not love things and use people. If Jeremiah were to go down to the potter's house today, what vessel do you think he would see the artist reworking? I think it would be the earth itself, the vessel of vessels. This blue jewel we live on with its razor thin layer of air for us to breathe that we've turned into an open sewer. And what would the voice of God be telling Jeremiah? That if we don't stop spoiling the earth, it will smash all of us and return us to a pile of formless clay with no promises that this human vessel can even be created again. Those poor people in the Bahamas who have lost everything in the hurricane prove once again that when it comes to global climate change, the sins of the rich are visited upon the poor. Those whose houses are built on sand because that's all they can afford. And make no mistake, the cracked global vessel that is climate change is sending us a new kind of flood. The waters are rising, but there's no ark to board now, two by two. So how about we grab a new piece of clay called renewable energy and throw it on the wheel and become partners with God again, refashioning a sustainable way to live on the only vessel from which we can ever drink the wine of life. Now, if you're skeptical, get in line. If you doubt we can save ourselves, you've got lots of company. But here's what I would say to this community as we begin the church year together. Not everything we do at Mayflower has to be measured in short-term political outcomes. We can also help to change the world by looking after our own souls, reworking our relationships, fixing those things that are cracked in us 
so that we can be a vessel that holds the wine of hope for other people because without hope, we're lost. Are you ready? Can we do it? Let's just get about the strange but wonderful work before us, which is to rework, like the potter, whatever is spoiled in us, what's cracked, what will not sustain us on the inside, no matter how many petitions we sign or how many resolutions we hammer out or how much misplaced hope we shower on the next political savior. Of course we will do our community work, always. But let's not ignore our soul work. Let's take care of our souls as well. Lest we spend all our days just bent over in despair instead of standing up with joy and deep gratitude for all the small everyday things that really make us happy. Turn off the TV. Take a walk. We can do this. We are doing this. We must do this. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers, Senior Minister of Mayflower Congregation on UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.